Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the show, we have the king of kombucha himself, GT Dave. GT started making kombucha from home when he was still a teenager after seeing the positive effects it had on his own mother's health throughout her experience with breast cancer. In the past two plus decades, GT's Living Foods has grown to be the leading kombucha brand, making up 40% of the U.S. market while remaining a family-owned and operated company. On this episode, GT shares with us how important his own spiritual foundation has been to his mission with Living Foods, why Living Foods are so vital to our health, and how he maintains quality and consistency even while producing kombucha on a large scale. We enjoyed chatting with GT Dave, and we are grateful he shared his story with us. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle, aluminum-free, baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean, aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands, and each and every time I was plagued with those red, itchy bumps under my arm, on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand, and in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. This episode is brought to you by Ned. If you've listened to this podcast, you know I struggle with anxiety that can often lead to disruption in my sleep. When I first learned about CBD being a natural and powerful solution to anxiety, sleep disorders, muscle pain, headaches, and so much more, I became very passionate about finding the best source to put in my body. Enter Ned. 
Ned is a wellness brand offering science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer holistic alternatives to prescription and over-the-counter medicine. They only grow the highest quality full-spectrum CBD extracted from organically grown hemp plants and sourced from an independent farm in Colorado. I love that I can trust their transparent sourcing and that they always offer the cleanest product. I have now been taking the Ned Full Spectrum Hemp Oil 750 milligram tincture twice daily and have truly noticed a massive shift in my overall mood and anxiety levels. While I don't often struggle with anxiety, I regularly use and love Ned's natural cycle collections of salves, tinctures, and roll-ons to support hormone balance and ease period symptoms. These products source 100% organic and wild-crafted botanicals and are slow-crafted from seed to bottle by a group of extraordinary women. All Ned products are also non-psychotropic. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Go to www.helloned.com forward slash podcast. That is H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash CW podcast to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. We know that you're going to love these products. So you can also find the direct link in our show notes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, GT. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to um, get to hear a little bit about your personal journey and learn all about kombucha and the work that you do. Um, To get us started, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and um, your sort of early life experiences that led you into becoming the predominant kombucha guy in the the market, in the the world probably? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, I'm born and raised here in Los Angeles. I'm an LA native. Um, I was raised by two very loving parents who my father is an attorney and my mother was kind of like a, a model as well as a homemaker. And I was um, baptized Catholic. So I was and went to Catholic school for the first 10 years of my life and um, or academic life that is. But in addition to being Catholic and going to Catholic school and even being an altar boy, I was also exposed to a very um, Eastern way of living and thinking. So in addition to, again, being an altar boy and going to mass and, and reading the Bible and all of those things that happens in Catholicism and in a Catholic upbringing, I was also exposed to meditation and chanting and Hinduism and Buddhism and um, all these other kind of different ways of thinking. And at a very, very early age in my life, my parents actually took me to India to um, kind of uh, follow the teachings of a, of a holy man in India. His name was Sai Baba, Satya Sai Baba. And this individual never said he was a god or, or any kind of religion, actually. He just said he was an enlightened being. And what he said, which resonated with my parents and ultimately with myself, is that we all have a version of God inside us. And it's that enlightenment that if we choose to kind of peel back all the materialistic qualities and the ego and the narcissism that sometimes we tend to pick up in our um, lives here on this planet, that if we can um, kind of let our light shine, if you will, and let our enlightenment be at the forefront of our mind, we can in many ways have kind of a God consciousness, which means 
we give love unconditionally, we get love unconditionally, and that we realize that all that really matters is love, because love is synonymous with happiness as well as health. And so that's kind of how I was raised. And in addition to that, so that's kind of the philosophical side of my upbringing, the more kind of physical aspect to my upbringing. And I was raised a vegetarian. I was actually a vegetarian in my mother's womb because my mother was a vegetarian as she was pregnant with me. And as after I was born, I was definitely on a very um, thoughtful and, and even some semi-strict plant-based diet, which was challenging, I must admit, early on because now, not to date myself, but you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. So, so being vegan and or vegetarian then is, was nowhere near as cool um, or, or as progressive as it is now. So there was certainly a time that whether it was the spiritual beliefs that my parents were uh, subscribing to and or my dietary um, beliefs and lifestyle that I subscribed to, that in many ways as a child and as a young adult, I felt a little bit like a black sheep. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, as you know, growing up, I think every kid um, wants to fit in and every kid just wants to be quote unquote normal. And so that's hard when you are, you know, when your parents are taking you to India for summer vacation where everybody else is going to Hawaii, right? Um, and in addition to that, even just like the proverbial like lunchbox experience, like I remember opening up my lunchbox and there'd be you know, all these like veggies where all my friends had like brownies and cookies and turkey sandwiches and cartons of milk. And I must admit, there was a time where I was actually embarrassed of my upbringing. I was embarrassed of my spirituality because it didn't feel normal. I was embarrassed of my diet because it didn't feel normal or mainstream. But I must say now looking back, I'm, I'm grateful for that upbringing because although it wasn't easy, it has become my, um, again, my heart and my soul and, and definitely kind of like who I am and what I stand for and certainly has been the foundation for my professional life, which of course is, you know, running my business at GT's Living Foods. I love your story so much. And I think it's so interesting, right? Like so much of what we are embarrassed of as children or, you know, like what makes us different as kids ends up becoming so a part of our superpowers as adults. And um, I'm also an LA native and um, I was raised in a Buddhist household. And so I can relate to the sense of, I appreciate my Buddhist upbringing and practice so much now, but as a kid, I just was like, I just want to go to church and synagogue. And I would go with my friends because I just <laughs> wanted to feel included. Um, but again, now I'm so grateful to have had those principles as a child that have really shaped me into the adult I am today. But man, so you have this life and this experience. When do you start getting into kombucha, right? Because you GT Living Foods is the leading, you're the leader in kombucha. I feel like that's very fair to say. And, you know, it wasn't so known. It still isn't like, right? Now I feel like more than ever people know what kombucha is, but how did you first discover kombucha and what made you get into it? Yeah, there was a lot of things. I mean, first and foremost, having parents that on their own kind of sought out unique plant-based and healthy foods certainly helped. 
Um, and so kombucha came into my household and my parents' household in the early 90s. And it was turned on to my parents from a friend of theirs who was also plant-based and almost quasi-raw foodist. And he actually shared it with my parents, not because he believed in kombucha, but honestly because he was skeptical of it. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say that is his wife had traveled back from the Himalayas, had come back with a kombucha culture, also known as a scoby, as well as the recipe for making kombucha. And she was, his wife, um, was making it and drinking it and loving it. But my parents' friend, his name is Dave Otto, thought that it's, it felt too much like snake oil because at the time he believed that good, old-fashioned, fresh-pressed, raw vegetable juice, there was nothing, and I mean nothing, healthier than that. So he was skeptical to say the least. So he actually approached my parents and said, hey, my wife is drinking this bizarre, this bizarre looking and tasting tea that she's raving about, but I'm not buying it. But I'd like to know what you guys think because you guys walk the walk and talk the talk. And I want to know, is this really good for you? Does it really do everything that my wife is saying? Because right now it feels a little bit like snake oil. So my parents being the very progressive and open-minded um, individuals that they are they accepted it with open arms and and with an open mind and i remember the day like it was yesterday where my father came home with that kombucha culture kind of sloshing around in that ziploc bag that it was in and he was like look you know to my mom and to my brothers and to myself look what i got today it's this you know ancient um eastern fermented tea that apparently everybody who drinks it lives into their hundreds that's all he knew the word probiotic was not in our vocabulary. Candidly, I don't think it was in anybody's vocabulary. My parents did understand about fermented foods because, again, they're very um, progressive kind of mind. So that's how kombucha came into the household. Now, the way kombucha eventually um, came into my life intimately was after witnessing my parents making and drinking kombucha religiously for about two years, um, my mother discovered that she had a breast cancer. And it was something that candidly was incredibly shocking for us. Not that cancer is not shocking to anybody, but the reason why this was incredibly shocking is, you know, my mother was relatively young, very fit, plant-based, um, you know, picture perfect health. And she actually thought she was pregnant, but she discovered that she wasn't pregnant when she went to the doctors, but instead they discovered this very large tumor in her right breast. In addition to the tumor being very large, the doctors quickly told her that they believed she had had it for many years and therefore it had already spread. So that was kind of, I believe that you can't have the light without the dark. And so that very dark moment, kombucha shortly thereafter became this light that shined through that darkness because what would ha what happened shortly thereafter, this initial kind of bleak news, that the doctors called my mom back into their office and said, listen, we believe that you've had this cancer for quite a while, about four years, and we believe it's very fast growing. And the size of the tumor, which by the way, was about an inch and a half in diameter, which is about the size of a golf ball. Mm -hmm. We originally believe this had and should have spread, but with our latest test results, it's proven that it hasn't. And in fact, the tumor is mostly precancerous. It hasn't spread throughout your body, certainly not to your bones, which to be honest was their initial expectation, which was why their initial diagnosis was so bleak. And they said, but the reason why we called you into our office is we wanna know what have you been doing different in your diet? Are there any kind of Chinese herbs, Chinese medicines, any kind of unusual tinctures that you've been consuming because you're 
situation is quite miraculous. And so that was the first time. Now, again, this is the 90s, right? So there's barely any internet. There's certainly no Google. There's just a good old fashioned like library that you go to to get information. And that was the first time that we actually heard a suggestion or even an indication that kombucha was just more than this kind of like ancient elixir. And so that really, long story short, inspired me. It inspired me in numerous ways. It inspired me to start drinking kombucha myself, which I fell in love with it. It inspired me to start making kombucha on my own because to be honest, and this is no disrespect to my father, I felt that he was potentially over fermenting it where it was stronger than it needed to be. And that the potency um, was, he was like over fermenting it. So it, it, it encouraged me to kind of give it my own shot or my own try and kind of play with the recipe. And then third, I was inspired to share it with the world because around this time, I would say for the first two years that my parents had been making and drinking kombucha, like with everything that they fell in love with, they would talk about it and they would share it and want to discuss it and give it away to their friends and family members. But what was unique about kombucha is that it was so weird to people, right? Like to ferment tea with this like pancake looking thing that has to like sit out on your, in, a, in your closet or your cabinet for seven to 10 days, like our friends, that really wasn't in their vocabulary. So I would say nine out of 10 times, if not 10 out of 10 times, people would come back and be like, wow, um, yeah, that didn't work so well. And <laughs> therefore a lot of our friends were like, how about we could just like buy it from you? And so that's when I really saw this culmination, if you will, of events where I was like, okay, kombucha special. It helped my mom. I'm loving it. But the sad part is it's not going to go very far in this world if the only way for people to interact with it and enjoy it is to make it on their own. So I was barely a teenager at the time. I was 15 years old. I won't bore you with the details of what I was going through at the time, but I'll give you a little insight. Is that I was lost at the time. And lost meaning like, as we said earlier, like I'm very proud of the spiritual background that it came from. But at the age of 15, I certainly was not living a spiritual life. I was doing drugs. I was ditching class. I was you know, trying to pretend to be somebody that I wasn't. Um, I was caught up in call all the superficial things in life. And I, I felt like I was going nowhere fast. And so I actually decided on my own to take my GED, which is kind of like your high school equivalency of a diploma, and leave high school early and go to city college because I want to give myself a second chance. But in the process of doing that, kombucha in many ways became my second chance. And it became this weird, bizarre thing that at the time I felt kind of weird and bizarre and a little bit of a black sheep for a lot of reasons. And in many ways, I felt like I kind of found like my weird partner, or my weird soulmate. And, and you might uh, relate to this because of your background, but I, I firmly believe that when you're born with some kind of resistance or rejection, sometimes, not always, you can grow up with a, a certain bravery and a certain kind of thick skin that you can take rejection. And I think that, and I'm not here to brag, but looking back, I certainly think that was kind of my secret sauce because trying to pitch, think about it, trying to sell kombucha back in the 90s, which was again, a fermented tea with smelled like vinegar, tasted like vinegar, had floating things in it, you know, all that stuff, where on the shelf at the time was Sobe, Snapple, Adwala, like those were considered cutting edge. I mean, years later you got vitamin water, which honestly wasn't that better. So I dealt with a lot of rejection. I mean, people, whether it was buyers, customers, or anybody in between, like spitting the kombucha up on me when I would have them taste it because it was just like repulsive to them. 
anybody, I think, most people would have just said, would just have given up because they'd say, you know what, this is not going to work. But because I guess I was used to rejection and I was used to kind of that path less traveled, I wasn't, I wasn't discouraged. And in many ways, it made me stronger and it, it gave me more of an appetite for and determination, ambition to continue down this path. And, and that's what I did. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, it seems like if we have the opportunity to use those um, experiences, obstacles, whatever you want to call them as uh, opportunity to build resiliency too, that that can then serve us. It certainly served you in that early process when you're um, trying to, you know, bring something new to people's minds before their store shelves, right? And, and dealing with the rejection. I think this idea of like the ability to keep going um, is really sort of this theme that we find, whether you want to call it a resiliency or, or just sort of this knowing that the rejection may come, but it's not, it's just an opportunity to continue the process or maybe refine or maybe learn something, but it's not necessarily like someone else doesn't get to determine um, when or when you don't do things, especially if there's some sort of mission behind it. And Erica and I talk a lot about that, like in the context of our, even our own journeys, I was diagnosed also super healthy, like you really relate to your mom's story um, quite a bit this sort of like what I thought was the pillar of health. And at 29, I was diagnosed with a rare cancerous tumor on my back. And wow. yeah, and it, in multiple surgeries later, feels, you know, super fortunate to become cancer-free. But really now look at that as an opportunity. It, it was an opportunity for me to dive into my own health and wellness and understand how to feel great, and then ultimately led to my mission with Erica, and we combined actually through our Buddhist practice, and I would love to go more into like how spirituality plays a role in your business too, but combined forces in order to create something and in order to help other people feel great too. And it sounds like you were able, well, I know, because I'm one of the people who uses your products, and, and you've been able to create this yes, this company, this brand, but really this product that people um, love and uh, get benefit from and it enhances their life too. So that's, I'm always inspired by those kinds of stories. Um, Absolutely. So just to touch on that a little bit, how do you now, and, and we're going to go into GT's Living Foods and, and all of that, but how do you now feel that your spiritual foundation is a part of your, is it a part of your business practice or how does it, how does it play into your life um, with this very large company? How do you, how does it affect you and your decision-making? How do you rely on it? And I'm just curious as to what part it plays in your, in your daily life. Yeah, well, it plays a significant role. Um, in fact, it really is our North Star because again, as I said earlier, that I think everything um, starts with love and ends with love. And so whether it's your products, whether it's how you make them, whether it's how you express them, right? If, if it's housed in um, a loving tone and a loving expression, and you're really just trying to spread love. And, and again, love means a lot of different things. And so, you know, it's, it's certainly with our products, we believe that 
good intentions is an aspect of love. And so everything that we do, whether it's kombucha or the other products we make or just the packaging we utilize or the visuals that we utilize, we want them to always be kind, inclusive, loving, humble, uplifting, inspirational. Because, you know, one of the things that I learned early on in my life, which goes back to kind of this Eastern way of thinking and living is really, it really is about living a selfless life. And what a selfless, selfless life means to me is not doing something through ego, not doing something for fame, not doing something for fortune. It's really just to make people happy. And because health, health and happiness in my mind are synonymous, if I can further this health conscious and this health consciousness, I think that is my purpose. And so that's why when, as I said earlier, when everything kind of culminated, I felt that I was, my roots and my upbringing were starting to pulse and vibrate when kombucha came into my life. It, it felt like I was finally finding my purpose and that the way I was raised was finally finding some connectivity. And so everything that we do, and, and, and again, I'm, I'm not going to admit that it's easy, right? Because I, I firmly believe, and I think this is why businesses are constantly challenged, and especially as businesses get bigger, because... And I'm, I'm going to admit that even with my company, it's a challenge from time to time is you can rather A, take yourself too seriously, B, get caught up in the, 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 um, the dollar and the profit and the growth, or C, you just you wake up one day and you're a corporation. And not that being a corporation is exclusively bad, but the version of a corporation that I think is something that is undesirable for me is a lot of corporations lack soul, they lack heart, they lack spirit. They're really just this transactional, like we, we build to sell so people buy and then we collect and then we repeat. And I'm not saying that, that on, that's bad, but it's bad if that's what you live for. Now, at GT's Living Foods, we certainly emulate to have that aspect to our business because success becomes and, and profitability and all that becomes our freedom right? It, it gives us the strength and the opportunity to continue to express ourselves, but we don't worship the dollar, right? And in fact, what we kind of, what we answer to, what our, what is our greater calling is, are we, first of all, staying true to our original path? And are we making the world a better place? And are we uplifting people's lives so they're healthier and happier? So everything really has to answer that question with a yes for us to do it. Now, again, easier said than done. There's times where we get caught up in things or myself or somebody on my team makes the wrong decision and we learn from it. But again, that's fine. I think every human and even business is entitled to make mistakes. And the definition of a mistake is it happened once. <laughs> when it happens more than once, there's, it's a problem. So that's kind of the, 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 um, the parameters that I give myself as well as my team and my organization of like, this is how we want to exist and this is how we want to be in this world. But it's constantly, by the way, um, being rooted in this philosophy of continuous improvement. And so that's also really big because I'm a big believer that the day that you think that you've arrived, that you've made it, is the day that you're actually done. So I'm a big believer that, yeah, today we did a good job. Why wasn't it great? Or if we did a great job, why wasn't it excellent? So it's always not, not again, focusing on the negative. I think it's great to celebrate your successes, but it's also understanding that, but what could I have done better? 
And, and that's really, to be honest, how I'm wired, I think, as a human being. I'm very much a perfectionist. So I'm constantly looking about how we can be better, which I think is healthy at the end of the day, because that means you're never complacent. And, that ne and you never think that you've really, truly arrived or made it. And it keeps you hungry and humble. That's so beautiful. And, you know, your, your products do really help people, right? Like as part of this great mission that you have, because as you know, I can nerd out about for hours cause I'm obsessed with it, but the gut, <laughs> right? Our guts are so important to our overall health. And, you know, just like kombucha was, is like revolutionary and new. And I feel like just now in 2020, even 10 years ago, that's when I was first introduced to it. And I didn't really know much about it until a few years ago, right? And I'm from Malibu, you know, like I, it just wasn't <laughs> something I um, incorporated, right? But in, in a similar way, right, science is now catching up to the fact that our guts are probably the most important part of our health um, as human beings, our immune system, our serotonin, uh, chronic illness, everything can be attached to um, bad gut health. And your products do really help benefit the gut. So maybe can you talk about, can you touch on that too, for any of our listeners who are unfamiliar with um, kombucha or probiotics or these benefits, um, why are they so important? And why is drinking kombucha or adding probiotics to your diet, you know, so beneficial to our overall health? Absolutely. And I'll put it simply and I'll use and forgive me if this sounds very salesy, but I'll, I'll use the slogan that I created when I first started, which isn't like the most eloquent or sexy slogan, but to me, it really is making a, a specific statement that says a lot. So early on, I adopted the slogan, living food for the living body. And the reason why I developed that is that if you think about it, you know, our bodies are alive, they're living things, and that's what makes them special. And living and vitality, in my mind, are synonymous. So if you want to continue to be a living, vibrant, vital person or, and have your body be the same, why would you feed yourself dead stuff, right? So using a silly analogy of like a high-performance machine or a high-performance car, that the higher the performance the, the car is, the better quality of, for instance, gasoline you need to put in it because that really is its fuel. So why would our bodies be any different, right? Why would we give our bodies low-grade fuel and expect high performance? And oh, by the way, if we do a tune-up or an oil change of our vehicles and machines or whatever the example is, why wouldn't we do that to our bodies, right? Because I'm not saying our bodies are machines, but they do function a lot like a machinery is, is that there's all these different organs, all these different um, you know, aspects of, of our body that together they create health. And I think what, especially in the American diet that we've overlooked is that we've kind of blanketed health as this very just gen, general or broad statement. And we haven't really understood that there, there's all these interconnections from your brain to your gut, to your heart, to your liver, to your lungs, you know, all your vital organs. And so with kombucha, to put it simply, the reason why kombucha and foods like kombucha that are fermented are very healthy is because they're living. They're vibrating, living um, food that when you ingest them, you really are taking in this life force. And not to get like all Star Wars on you or anything like that, but what I mean by the life force is when you take a fruit or a vegetable 
and you, you pluck it off of the tree or the bush, it ripens, right? It, it continues to live. So it really is living. When you do that, you know, a cracker or a slice of bread or a meatball, I mean, that's not going to live. If anything, it's going to rot. Or, by the way, not change at all, which is also very scary. So that's what, again, is, is to me the kind of um, the, the, the most simplistic way at looking at living foods is it, it's not rocket science. And that's why early on, I not only resonated with kombucha, but also resonated with a whole plant-based diet. And I believe eating foods that are as close to their origins and certainly as close to the earth as possible is certainly the best way to stay healthy and fight off all the bad stuff out there. And then one last thing is, and this is something that I learned early on in my journey, is that because, and luckily this is, well, it was changing pre-COVID, but now I feel like we went back five years, is that, you know, pre-COVID, we were actually were becoming a little bit more comfortable with dirt, right? We were getting out of this, like, wash your hands, antibacterial this, antibacterial that. And it was good because studies were showing that children especially were developing, like, early stage allergies, early stage asthma, all these like issues because their body wasn't used to just the, the bacteria and dirt that comes on this planet. Now I understand with COVID, I'm not gonna go there because I know it's a bigger conversation that I'm able to take on, but fermented food in many ways is that. It's like this raw, wild fermented, all these different um, varieties of beneficial bacteria that you take in that replenishes the bacteria that you need to be healthy and also gets your body accustomed to certain type of bacteria so you're more resilient. So it's really a win-win-win in my mind, any way that you look at it. Yeah, I think that's actually good advice, especially for right now, right? With this sort of level of over-sanitation due to current circumstances with COVID. If you, know, if you are consistently needing to wash your hands or sanitize more than you ever would, adding some extra... Uh, probiotic rich living foods is a great way to support um, healthy gut microbiome, uh, which supports pretty much everything else in the body. Um, exactly. So can we talk a little bit about GT living foods and all that you guys offer now in addition to kombucha? Um, because I know it's expanded quite a bit. And I just would love to go through some of the other types of products that you are now selling as well. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So, um, you know, again, kombucha is what got me started, right? Kombucha is what brought me to the dance, as they say. Um, and so I, I started making kombucha in 1995, and I was basically making kombucha and kombucha products exclusively from 1995 to about 2015. So call it two decades straight. But what happened was, is as I started to um, evolve as a human being and certainly evolve as an entrepreneur for those first two decades i always knew that in the back of my mind there were other things that i was passionate about in addition to kombucha and certainly other things that i incorporated into my personal diet and i knew that at a certain point i would want to let those see the light of day and and push those out as kind, kind of additional children if you will but i wanted to make sure that i was ready because what i've seen unfortunately a lot of entrepreneurs do is they and that's why i dislike the serial entrepreneur title which i do not um, apply to myself by the way is that a lot of times entrepreneurs can get so add and so prolific with their ideas and their businesses and their offerings that they just do a ton of stuff and all that stuff is just okay so that's why it took more than 
20 years for me to feel comfortable starting to introduce new products. But in 2017, I had a really big breakthrough personally. And um, I won't bore you with the details, but basically the top line is that I took ayahuasca, which is a plant medicine, um, which as you may know, is not a drug. It's uh, really, as I said, a plant medicine that you, you take when you're really wanting to take the next stage in your life from an emotional, spiritual, or philosophical standpoint. And I think in 2017, I was at that point. I think because of my age and my life experiences and all of that, I, was, I felt that I was hitting a little bit of a spiritual roadblock. So I took Aya, and it was profound to say the least. And what it really told me, which I think is important for anybody that's at this point in their life, is stop making excuses. Stop coming up with reasons why you should not do this and start coming up with reasons of why you should and start understanding that you have been blessed, that there is this, and I'm not going to get cheesy on you, but there is this like divine power that if you choose to pay attention to it, you should be honored and grateful for it and then, and then celebrate it. So what was told to me in this Aya ceremony is that, you know, kombucha has been a blessing in my life. And then subsequently it has been a blessing in others. And it really has blessed me with this stage or platform, if you will, um, that gives me an opportunity to further more conversations about love and inclusion and humanity and all those kind of cardinal values, but also use it as a platform to share other ways of eating, thinking, and living. And so in 2017, I renamed the company GT's Living Foods, which is not like the world's most exciting name. But the reason why it was important is I believe that for every company that especially is approaching its maturity or its next stage, you really need to put a stake in the ground and say, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. And this is who I'm not. And this is what I stand against. Because I think, again, a lot of companies forget who they are and therefore they lose their identity. So long story short, that gave me the desire and the appetite to start to create out products outside of the kombucha universe. But again, still staying disciplined and committed to everything that kombucha is. So kombucha is a living food. It's fermented. It provides health. It's not exclusively recreational. It certainly has a genuine functionality to it. So I want to use that as kind of, again, our North Star or our framework. And anything and everything that we created had to kind of check those boxes. And so our first innovation was starting to ferment coconut water, which we actually acquired a company called Coco Kefir, which is this beautiful um, probiotic kind of therapeutic drink where you take young coconut water and ferment it. And what you do, unlike kombucha, where you, you know, kombucha, you can drink 16 ounce bottles or multiple bottles. With this Coco Kefir, you really just have to drink two to four ounces a day and it dramatically changes your body and your digestive health. It's almost like the anti-antibiotic. So that was really important to me. And then we developed a probiotic yogurt that actually came from the young coconut meat. And then from there, you know, the excitement continued and I developed an adaptogenic mushroom tea line called Alive. Now, when people hear mushroom tea, they probably get a little sick to their stomach because it doesn't sound appetizing. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not talking about like mushrooms that you put in your salad. I'm talking about these beautiful prehistoric, almost like alien intelligence type of mushrooms that grow in the wild on the bark of trees or on birch and they have this incredible nutritional quality to them that really does help our bodies be stronger 
through antioxidants and free radical defense and fighting off oxidative stress. And then from there, I created aqua kefir. Now aqua kefir, which to be clear, is not a dairy product because I personally don't believe in dairy. Um, it's a water kefir. And it was really my answer to, and I'm not here to disparage anybody, but unfortunately what's happened to the kombucha category in the last few years is, as I said, when I started making kombucha, it was kombucha. It tasted like kombucha, it looked like kombucha, it smelled like kombucha, all of the above. But unfortunately, especially in, in the US, as something becomes popular, we try to dumb it down. Try to dumb it down, try to make it cheap, we try to make it mainstream. And in the process of doing that, you kind of remove the soul or the purpose of what that is. And so I must admit in the last five years, I've witnessed that in the kombucha set to my dis dis disliking. And so I developed water kefir, which is a kind of like a young sister or a little sister to kombucha. It's totally fermented. It originated in the 1800s. So it's not as old as kombucha is, but much like the SCOBY of kombucha, it has these what we call kefir crystals, which are these symbiotic colony of beneficial bacteria and yeast that you ferment a base with and you get this light and bright and thirst quenching type of beverage, but with all the, the probiotic benefits of what you can also find in kombucha and other fermented foods. So that was kind of our way of saying, hey, we really want to have something for everyone. And we really want to have something for any time of the day or any different kind of consumption occasion. And that really is a long-winded way of saying that for my business and for my brand is that I feel in many ways we're just getting started. And in many ways, I feel that we're just barely scratching the surface of all these beautiful foods that have been kind of waiting in the wing to be, I don't want to say commercialized, but really brought to people in an authentic, fresh way that can really elevate people's health and of course, make them happier. Yeah, we we love all of your products, like from your Coco Yo. Um, Ali is always dairy free. I'm mostly dairy free, although in COVID it has not <laughs> been a hundred percent. But yeah, no, your Coco Yo is a staple, and your kombucha, and um, I even had your waters for the first time um, recently, and it's also nice. amazing and nourishing. Um, and I have a question because I know this gets asked a lot, which is how much can you drink, right, of kombucha? Like, is there a certain, or of any of your products, right? Like, because it's living food, because it's probiotic, or, you know, people bring up the sugar content sometimes, is there a sweet spot of how much we should be drinking daily, weekly? I would just love to know your thoughts on it, because I feel like this is a question that does come up all the time. Absolutely. It does. Um, so first of all, I mean, I can speak from personal experience, and but this is not a, uh, a recommendation is I drink a lot of kombucha and I have consumed a lot of kombucha for the last two and a half decades, right? Because that's what I do for a living. Um, now I drink anywhere from eight to 12 bottles a day, which sounds ridiculous. And I'm certainly not telling you or anybody who's listening to drink that much. But that is an example that one of the beauties of kombucha and fermented foods is because it's essentially nature crafted there's nothing really in it that would cause you harm. Now, having said that, I'm a very, very big believer of moderation is key to anything in life and certainly in your food. So case in point, too much water, that's called drowning, right? So you don't want to ingest too much of any one thing because like we were talking earlier, your body in many ways is a dynamic organism that needs not, not just one type of fuel, it needs multiple types of fuel. So that's another reason why 
over the last few years, we've really ex ex extended and expanded our portfolio because I was noticing that a lot of people were drinking lots of kombucha and that was it. And yes, I love that, but I also feel that there are other really nutritional and healthy things that they should also incorporate. So to answer your question more pointedly, I would say, you know, in the kombucha world, you can drink up to three bottles and be fine. Anything north of that, I would tell you that you need to start looking for other sources of nutrition. And that's candidly why, as I said, we developed other products because even like with the water kefir, which is a big misnomer right now, people think, oh, I take a probiotic pill, I don't need to drink kombucha. Or I drink kombucha, I don't need to drink water kefir. But what people are failing to realize, which I think over the next five to 10 years, we're gonna learn a lot more, is that there are hundreds, if not thousands of different microorganisms going on in our microbiome and our gut, and you really need all of them. So I'm not here to say, drink a kombucha and you're great. I'm here to say, drink a kombucha, drink a water kefir, drink a, an adaptogenic uh, mushroom tea for other reasons, drink cocoyo, drink probiotic shots, do apple cider vinegar, all that stuff. So again, I would limit all our products, kombucha, water kefir, otherwise at three bottles a day. Um, I think probably what's the most ideal is about one at different times of the day. And that's personally what I do, right? Like I get up in the morning, I'll do a, a probiotic shot, I'll do cocoyo in my smoothie, I'll go work out, I'll have a kombucha, I'll start my day, I'll do an alive, and then I'll finish the day with an aqua kefir. And it, it really kind of, each um, bottle or each product and each certain time that I consume it really gives me what I need during that time of day. Now that's my personal experience, but that's what a lot of people do. Well, and I think you bring up a really interesting point because Ali and I were also talking about this earlier where, you know, our gut needs diversity, right? Like you're saying, it's when you, even people who take probiotics, if you take the same probiotic every day for years, it's not diversifying the bacteria that your gut really needs. And just like we wouldn't say only eat spinach or only eat broccoli, you need like a colorful array of vegetables in your diet. It, it makes so much sense that you would need that array of probiotics and what you're drinking, you know, every day too. It's true. And, and just one little note, and I'm not here to get on my soapbox, but that's why I have a problem with these like keto diets right now. Because what is very sad to me is this recent, and I think through COVID, it's kind of been put on pause, but leading up to COVID, there was this obsession with these macronutrients of fat, carbohydrates, and protein. And our bodies don't work that way. Yes, you need those, but more importantly, you need the micronutrients. You need the fiber, the antioxidants, those beautiful, colorful vegetables that you just referenced. A lot of times people forget that because they're counting how many grams of protein they had that day or how many grams of sugar, which goes back to kombucha, as you said earlier, like out of nowhere, people started demonizing kombucha because it has sugar. And my response to that is, okay, let's just stop for a second. Let's look around in nature. And the sugar that is okay is the one that's considered naturally occurring in fruits, vegetables, what have you. Now, again, moderation. The sugar that's bad is that refined sugar that you're put drinking in that soda or in that cookie or that donut or even sugar in disguise, which is like those highly processed grains that just turn into sugar when you eat them. That's the stuff that we should be focusing on, but not like trying to demonize kombucha. It really is a, a mispicked battle. I know. We, we talk about that all the time. It's like you're going to stress over the five grams of natural sugar that's in this, you know, the serving of kombucha, but like not over all the highly processed foods, but the refined sugars and everything. It's like, 
let's just, just use common sense sort of and step away from the, you know, there's so much like dogmatic obsession, I feel like in, in the wellness yeah. world sometimes. And it's like, is it, is it from the earth? Right. It's probably going to be okay for me, for you then. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just like a good rule of thumb to remember just like generally speaking too. Um, I'd love to ask you a little bit about, <laughs> this is funny. This is actually coming from my partner. He heard you were going to be on the show and he's like, that's the only kombucha I like. And you were like his <laughs> gate, like GT's gingerade was the gateway into kombucha drinking for him. Cause it used to be, he totally used to be one of those people like, Ooh, like the guys who would spit it out. Right. Yeah. Now I'll come home and there will be a bunch of gingerade in the fridge and I didn't even buy it. <laughs> so, um, I'd love to talk a little bit about how you guys really keep, you know, you have such a diverse amount of flavors. You, um, flavor with, you know, fresh nat or natural juices. And, um, you know, how do you, when you're like, if you're someone you, I've read things, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that you still, um, taste different batches that you guys are, are creating. How do you keep consistency in that since it is a living food? How do you can keep consistency in all your different flavors that you offer? Um, I'm just curious what, like, how do you find that perfect sort of flavor profile, especially when you're dealing with something that t traditionally feels um, or can be a little bit acidic for people who are not yeah. used to that kind of flavor? Yeah. How do you, how do you do that? I'm just curious of like the inner workings. Well, I can explain it quite simply is that, um, you know, we always say here that we are not beverage manufacturers. In mm -hmm. fact, we don't manufacture anything. We grow our products and very much like a farmer that tends to his or her crops, right? In many ways, we are stewards of nature. So we don't make kombucha. Nature makes kombucha. If anything, we're stewards or servants of nature and we are the conduits for um, the, the activities that need to take place to ultimately have kombucha. So what I mean by that is, you know, the way we make it today is very similar, if not identical to how I made it when I first, first started making kombucha from my parents' household. So that small batches, that simple ingredients, pure ingredients, purity and potency of process. So we don't try to do any kind of funny business. Um, and again, we, we let nature be perfectly imperfect. So is it easy? No. But is it right? Yes. So again, like a, a farmer, we have our seasons, we have our crops, we give them tender love and care and, and hope and pray that nature will cooperate. And most of the time she does. Um, but it's also making sure that I'm a big believer that nature responds to love. Mm. And so making sure that we cultivate all our batches in a loving, kind, warm environment um, that we don't try to rush it or force it to be something that it's not really allows it to be its best. And so whether that's kombucha or the water kefir or anything else and or the ingredients that we use, right? We like to challenge ourselves and we like to use things that are hard to access or hard to utilize or have a very short shelf life because we believe that's really what the, mar the the market needs more of, right? I think we have too many products that last forever and too many products that are highly processed. So even like with our watermelon kombucha, I mean, that to me is something that's very exciting because watermelon juice on its own is very um, highly perishable and won't last more than four or five days. But when it's paired with kombucha, not only is it delicious and, and stays fresh longer, but they kind of synergize with each other, which is where I think kombucha has become is this 
partner for a lot of fresh ingredients, even like our chia seeds, that allow you to not only enjoy the kombucha, but also the additional ingredients that come along with it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's Your journey is so inspiring, and I love your mission with love being, you know, the purpose and behind everything that you do. Um, it's just so beautiful. And as we begin to wrap up, we always end with two questions that we ask all of our guests. And the first is how do you take care of yourself? What are some of your non-negotiable self-care practices, um, that add to your life? I love that. So that's an easy question for me to ask because I've gone on record recently saying I have two non-negotiables, which is technically three. So uh, one is I absolutely positively have to get eight hours of sleep every night. I think sleep is, and we're going to learn this just like we've learned about gut health. I think sleep, especially in this day and age with our phones and our emails and our social media and all that, our brains are on overload. So you really need eight hours of quiet time to reset and regenerate your body and your cells and your immune system to be healthier. So that I will clear my calendar for eight hours of sleep. Um, second is exercise, right? I think it's important every day to break a sweat, to get your heartbeat going, to get that, that sweat coming out of your pores, because I think it's important not only from a physical standpoint, but I think it's important from an emotional standpoint and certainly a mental standpoint. And then kind of the, the bonus one is meditation. Now, the reason why I see that's kind of a bonus is I, I, I personally believe that meditation has such a, or can sometimes have a very rigid definition where, where like you think of meditation, it's like, oh, you're sitting in this pose, your hands are in a certain gesture, your eyes are a certain way. And, and I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that in my opinion, the definition of meditation is just taking a moment to quiet the mind, gather your thoughts. And whether that's taking inventory of the things that you have done and the people that you've interacted with and the activities that you've participated in, or better yet, the things that you want to do. And it really is, again, that quieting of the mind and centering of the mind that is really critical. And honestly, more than ever these days, as from a, mentally, we're constantly bombarded with a lot of stuff. So I think giving your, yourself that downtime is really important. So those are my three non-negotiables. Thank you. And the final question then is, do you have any books that have been particularly meaningful to you um, over the course of your journey that you would want to recommend? Yes, actually I have. So um, they're kind of random, <laughs> but I'll say them anyway. Okay. So early on, being uh, just a, a teenager and barely a teenager, to be honest, the, the two books that really resonated with me that were given to me as a as an assignment in high school, was uh, The Great Gatsby and Siddhartha. And they're very different books, clearly. Um, and I'll just touch on briefly why they were important. So The Great Gatsby, I think in many ways, need, gave me the confidence and the bravery that I needed to transcend my kind of loneliness that I was going through at an early age, which I think a lot of kids go through when they feel that they see the world differently and they're nervous about that. And then Siddhartha, um, helped me embrace my spiritual background because in the book Siddhartha, um, you know, he really is trying to seek enlightenment, but he sees that enlightenment's not such a simple path. And 
the death of your ego is also not very simple and, and in many ways is very arduous. So that those books were almost back to back in my life. And this was early, early in my life. And then when I started to embark on my professional journey, I really immersed myself deeply in this kind of health and wellness world, which I'm grateful for because it's one of the reasons why I'm so opposed to like, as we just talked about the keto or these kind of unusual diets, because you know, I read books like Fit for Life early on and some of these really basic small books, by the way, they weren't novels, they were maybe like 100 pages or whatever. But the reason why they left a lasting impression on me is it really demystified health. And what it did is it, it, it gave me the philosophy that now I, I live and breathe with is that, again, our, our bodies are complicated, but our diets shouldn't be, right? We should eat pure, clean, fresh, natural foods that come from the earth. And if you have a beautiful kind of variety and assortment of them, you'll be okay. And that's what I live by, right? And I, I, I drink a lot of water. I eat a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, you know, again, I, I eat foods that I can recognize where they came from. And that in many ways has been kind of the foundation of how not only I live my personal life, but also how I operate my company and, and how we look for things to incorporate into the products we make. Yes, thank you. I think that's just such a good reminder for everybody to just like carry with them, you know, that it doesn't, the, the idea of demystifying health, and I think that's really important. So where can everyone find you on the internet, shop your products? I know you guys are everywhere now, but if anyone hasn't heard of you and wants to find you online in stores, where can they go? Well, the probably easiest way to find us, of course, is a lot of people know social media. So whether it's Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or Pinterest or even I think TikTok now, <laughs> um, you know, you can find us at GT's Kombucha. So that's essentially GTS and the word kombucha, which is K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A. And then I, in recent time, have started to kind of develop my own you know, side personality or, or, or side expression, if you will. So I'm on Instagram as well. And I'm GT Dave three. Um, and so I've, I've been able to kind of connect with this beautiful community of people and specifically, which was kind of a happy surprise, younger generation, right? We're talking people that are like 15 to 25, which is certainly much younger than I've ever seen. And I love it because in many ways, it goes back to what I said. I think, especially in this country, we don't do a good job of explaining how to eat and live. And so I'm, I'm seeing, and I love it, these curious um, young individuals reaching out to me saying, hey, how do I do this? Or how do I stay healthier? Or, or how do I even just be mentally healthy? So that's great. Um, and then of course, last but not least is our website. So our website is gtslivingfoods.com. Uh, living so again, gtslivingfoods.com, which you can find not only all the products that we make, you can also find where to find them. Um, as well as a little bit more of a, a deep dive into my background as well as the, the, the company's history. Great. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.